This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mea Culpa Podcast. Representative Kevin McCarthy on Wednesday pulled five Republicans from a select committee investigating the January 6th mob attack on the Capitol after Speaker Nancy Pelosi took the unprecedented step of barring two of former President Donald J. Trump's closest allies in Congress from the panel, citing concerns that they would disrupt its work. So as the legislation allows, I did not accept Two of the five people were appointed. Uh, they have made statements and taken actions uh, that I think would impact the integrity of the commission, of the committee, the work of the committee. This is deadly serious. This is about our Constitution. It's about our country. It's about assault on the Capitol that is being mischaracterized for some reason at the expense at the expense of finding the truth for the American people. Pelosi's decision caused the minority leader to throw an epic temper tantrum disguised as a press conference vowing to carry out a Republican-only investigation into the events of January 6th, accusing the speaker of excessive partisanship. Well, this panel has lost all legitimacy and credibility. And it shows exactly what I warned back at the beginning of January, that Pelosi would play politics with this. This from the person who rejected the idea of a bipartisan commission in the first place, which would have made for an equal number of Democrats and Republicans represented. We will run our own investigation. We have law enforcement, we have military, we have doctors, we have people from all walks of life. They want to know the answer. The American people deserve that. They don't deserve politics. They don't deserve destroying the institution. No committee in Congress will work if one person is picking all who can serve. Speaker Pelosi had said earlier on Wednesday that she was rejecting the appointments of Representative Jim Banks of Indiana and Jim Jordan of Ohio based on their ties to the former president and comments they had made disparaging the inquiry. They just want to be partisan. They just want to continue to attack the former president. They want to play their political games. Pelosi acknowledged that her move was unprecedented, but called it necessary given Jordan and Banks' seditious actions on January 6th and their refusal to certify the election and Jordan's continuing fanning of conspiratorial flames. Jim Jordan's a fucking menace and McCarthy selected him to torment the committee. Nothing more. I think the speaker did what she had to do. We, we need a, a fair investigation of the events of January 6th. And the way I've been thinking about it is imagine if, as we were trying to put together the bipartisan 9-11 commission, the Republicans had insisted upon putting on members who believed that 9-11 was a hoax perpetrated by the government. With respect for the integrity of the investigation, with an insistence on truth and with concern about statements made and actions taken by these members... I must reject the recommendations of Representatives Banks and Jordan to the select committee, Ms. Pelosi said. The unprecedented nature of January 6th demands this unprecedented decision. It's not just about getting to the truth. There are a lot of people who felt that they got to the truth during the first impeachment trial, the second impeachment hearing. What they don't feel like is that there has been accountability. Can you get to the truth? And even if you do, is the truth enough or does there need to be accountability for those who took part in what happened on January 6th? 
No, you're absolutely right. Uh, in the investigation, uh, the hearings that the committee will hold, uh, the goal is to get to the truth, to find out who was responsible, including whether there were members of Congress that were helpful or not. Uh, and then also, just as important, make recommendations so that this doesn't happen again in the future. So it would be an opportunity to do all of those things. Uh, but what you can't have on there uh, is people who are in complete denial about what happened and then are trying to stop everybody else from doing their job of getting to the truth, holding people accountable, and making sure it doesn't happen again. There is no place on this committee for unserious members, said Representative Mike Quigley of Illinois. Speaker Pelosi absolutely made the right decision by rejecting GOP members who have made it clear that they would use this platform to grandstand and spew misinformation. In fact, Congressman Banks has already broadcasted his intention to sabotage the proceedings. What happened all last year? The Democrats normalized anarchy. They normalized rioting and looting. And when rioters and looters attacked our law enforcement personnel, when rioters and looters destroyed small businesses, what did Democrats do? They went out and raised money to bail them out of jail, and they continue to talk about defunding the police, and in fact did that in all these major urban areas, which is why crime is up. Representative Benny G. Thompson of Mississippi, the chairman of the select committee, said he would not be distracted by sideshows and pledged to move forward with the committee's work, including its first public hearing next week. We'll do our job. Uh, we'll do it according uh, to the oath we took as members of Congress, but more importantly, uh, we have to get to the bottom of finding out all the things that went wrong on January 6th. Democrats got some high-profile backup from Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming, Mr. McCarthy's former number three, who Ms. Pelosi appointed to the committee after Ms. Cheney was ousted from her leadership position this spring for criticizing Mr. Trump. Cheney, in the fucked up politics of MAGA era republicanism, has become the boogeyman of the GOP despite her strict conservative voting record. At every opportunity, the minority leader has attempted to prevent the American people from understanding what happened to block this investigation. Today, the speaker objected to two Republican members. She accepted three others. She objected to two, one of whom may well be a material witness to events that led to that day, that led to January 6th. The other who disqualified himself by his comments in particular over the last 24 hours demonstrating that he is not taking this seriously. He is not dealing with the facts of this investigation, but rather viewed it as a political platform. This investigation must go forward. The idea that anybody would be playing politics with an attack on the United States Capitol is despicable and is disgraceful. And I am absolutely dedicated and committed to making sure that this investigation holds those accountable who did this and ensures that it never happens again. Banks is a fucking turd of the highest order, having arranged for House Republicans to join former President Trump at a recent event at the southern border in which a participant in the Capitol riot, Anthony Aguero, a close ally of Marjorie Taylor Greene, served as a fucking translator. He released his own combative statement Monday night in which he blamed the Biden administration for the response to the riot, 
which occurred under the Trump administration and called the committee a creation of Ms. Pelosi's to malign conservatives and to justify the left's authoritarian agenda. Yeah, I'll just remind people that back on Monday, Jim Jordan said, you know what this is about? This is about going after President Trump. The Democrats don't want to talk about anything else. That's how he felt about the committee on Monday. And then Jim, Congressman Jim Banks said, make no mistake, Nancy Pelosi created this committee to solely malign conservatives and to justify the left's authoritarian agenda. Well, okay, pal, whatever the fuck you say. At a news conference with Mr. McCarthy, Banks suggested Ms. Pelosi had failed to secure the Capitol during the January 6th attacks. One of those nonsensical MAGA talking points that have been used to deflect blame but have no basis in truth whatsoever. She knows that we're already asking questions in just the two, the first couple of days that Leader McCarthy appointed us to this task. Questions that Democrats have never asked about why the Capitol was vulnerable on that day when we had intelligence for weeks leading up to January 6th that told us that something dangerous would happen on January 6th. Mr. Jordan, who has called the committee a political attack on Mr. Trump, was among a group of House Republicans who met with the former president in December to help plan the effort to challenge Mr. Biden's victory. And Democratic members of the select committee were considering calling him as a potential witness in their investigation. Americans instinctively know there was something wrong with this election. During the campaign, Vice President Biden would do an event and he'd get 50 people at the event. President Trump, at just one rally, gets 50,000 people. Got 11 million more votes than he did in 2016, and House Republicans won 27 of 27 toss-up races. But somehow, the guy who never left his house wins the election? Liz Cheney had an epic clash with Jordan, as reported by Philip Rutka and Carol Lennig's I Alone Can Fix This, who quoted Cheney discussing the creepy Ohio rat herd. That fucking guy, Jim Jordan, that son of a bitch. While these maniacs are going through the place, I'm standing in the aisle, and he said, we need to get the ladies away from the aisle. Let me help you. I smacked his hand away and told him, get away from me. You fucking did this. McCarthy knew damn well what he was doing when he offered up two election deniers to sit on the committee in the first place. It it shouldn't be a surprise, and I'm just glad that uh, he was actually pressed on the fact that uh, he turned down an opportunity to have a bipartisan, bipartisan independent commission that would have an equal number of Democrats and Republicans on it. He literally turned that down. Um, I think his excuse was the scope of such. But regardless, what we're seeing again and again and again is the skill of Nancy Pelosi. Um, Kevin McCarthy backed himself into a corner. So there was absolutely nothing left for him to do today other than the pull the plug. There's no one in the world who considers jackass Jim Jordan a serious appointment. He is a Trump fucking sycophant who spends most of his time trying to say insane shit so that he can get on Fox News. And just because McCarthy tried sending in a few imbeciles to make the point there's nothing to investigate here doesn't mean Democrats won't have their hands full. Like AOC, who didn't want to demean herself by debating Marjorie Taylor Greene, Democrats are caught between trying to not lower themselves to constantly squabbling with Republicans, but not wanting to leave their lying lies on the record, uncorrected. The FBI has a long history of setting up crimes. They just did it in Michigan. We're going to get into it in a second. Why isn't there a good faith investigation into the FBI's behavior? Or do Republicans somehow trust the FBI? 
Well, Tucker, you may remember a few weeks ago when we had the FBI director in front of the Judiciary Committee, I asked him about what happened to the Hoopers up in the, in the state of Alaska, who were, their door was kicked in, they were handcuffed, that held at gunpoint and interrogated for four hours. They weren't even in the Capitol. So I've been pressing for those, those answers to those kind of questions as well. But the fundamental question is, why wasn't there a proper security presence that particular day? And again, only the Speaker of the House can answer that question. And what I find interesting is, this morning's Politico headline, I got, the, I got it right here. Politico headline, Dems accept McCarthy's picks for January 6th panel. So they accepted it, everything was fine. It was reported this morning, but last night, so that was news that was of, of yesterday. Last night I go on your network and I raise these very points and I talk about this and suddenly Shazam, today, Speaker changes everything. Mr. Banks and Mr. Jordan can't be on the committee. So uh, maybe that's the reason. Maybe she just doesn't want to answer that fundamental question or any other questions. This is all political, and we've known that from the start. They have to call out their fictions and then quickly get back to the business of getting at what the GOP is trying to keep secret. What they did know, and when they did know it, about the mob's spontaneous plans for an invasion when the attackers with weapons and pre-printed t-shirts were bussed into town. Who got them inside for reconnaissance before the attack? Who gave up maps of underground tunnels and the way to the speaker's office? Where are the visitors' logs and the emails? Who could have called for reinforcements but chose not to? We know Trump who never so much as checked in with Pence as the mob hunted for him, called McCarthy amid the bloody assault. Did the leader, that sycophant shitstain, even ask the president to call off his supporters? We don't know the answer to that, but the committee should find out. What we do know is that Trump did not call them off. No, he fucking told them that he loved them. McCarthy, who said on January 6th that Trump bore some responsibility for what had happened, is determined now to keep Trump from being held responsible and to obscure the historical record. He's taking this congressional effort seriously only in so far as he is actively aiming to derail it by nominating a crew whose members are unaware of, fine with, or hope that those who don't examine history are doomed to repeat it. In constant sorrow. And now for the main event. My next guest on Maya Culpa is the comedian, writer, and political commentator John Fogelsang, who hosts Tell Me Everything, airing weekdays on Sirius XM. With his mother a former nun and his father a Franciscan monk, Fogelsang was raised with a unique view of religion that belies the notion that all Christian devotees are frightening evangelicals. Rather, Fogelsang takes to heart the teaching of the Bible, but with a profoundly progressive interpretation, which he summed up best on Twitter recently, writing, If you oppose abortion rights, which Jesus never mentioned, because you are so deeply Christian, but support the death penalty, which Jesus directly opposed, the rest of us are no longer obliged to take your Christianity seriously. With regular appearances on Bill Maher's Politically Incorrect, Fogelsang gleefully skewers the hypocrisy of the religious right, who he calls self-described Christians completely illiterate about Jesus' teaching, poking them in the eye and kicking them in the balls for their unwavering support of Donald Trump. 
Fogelsang's already pugilist for the self-righteous. He's debated Jerry Falwell and David Duke, been a regular panelist on Fox, MSNBC, and CNN, and been picketed by Westboro Baptist Church. So let's listen now to that conversation. John, in a recent Twitter post, you jokingly wrote, up next, Sean Hannity boldly comes out against thalidomide. Now, this came after Hannity himself announces on Fox News that he, and I quote, believes in science and believes in the science of the vaccine. First of all, how screwed up are we as a nation that we've sunk to this place where half of the fucking country won't even inoculate themselves against a deadly virus because of their political ideology? Well, how much time do you have, Mr. Cohen? Because, you know, we have one hour, John. That's, that's one hour. That's one so knock Hannity's, yourself out. Hannity's finer moments. I mean, I, I want to believe that somewhere there is some birther Hannity didn't offer a platform to on his show. Uh, and look, I, I've always had a soft spot for Hannity because of his resemblance to Fred Flintstone. But the fact is, um, Hannity said that for one reason. A lawyer told him he had to say that because he was still spreading more vaccine disinformation on his radio show. And on the same broadcast, same with Tucker. Rupert Murdoch was able to get his vaccine before the Queen of England was able to get hers. And yet his winged monkeys are paid to go out there every night and spread this. And I have to disagree with you, sir. I don't even think it's about politics. I think it's just pure tribalism. I think it's their ruler tells them this, so they go along with it. But what gets me is these are the pro-life people, right? Uh, the people who claim they care about the unborn, but they don't accept climate science. So they don't really give a rat's ass about what happens to the unborn once they're here. They claim they're pro-life, but they love the death penalty. Uh, they're fine with preemptive war. And now they don't want to do a damn thing to protect the lives of other Americans from a virus that has killed 600,000 of us. The pro-life people will fucking kill us. They're that pro Right. So, by the way, so, John, just so you understand, it's 608,000. I mean, you know, I, I, I hate it when people turn around and say, oh, it killed 600. There's 8,000 more Americans that will not be sitting at their dinner table, that will not be able to share in birthdays and anniversaries and other events simply because of this Trump virus, simply because our former idiot in chief decided to make a declaration that science isn't real. And again, this is the man who also believes that he's entitled to the Nobel Peace Prize for his work that was done in this, you know, yeah. um, in this vaccination. Now, he does need to get accolades for basically shredding the FDA to pieces and pushing this through. But if you're going to do that and you're going to push something through, does it not make sense then that you're going to figure out a way how to get it into the arms of all Americans? Well, what am I missing? Well, yeah, especially after tearing up the pandemic playbook. Here is the MAGA creed. Um, uh, we only have the virus because of Trump. We should call it, I'm sorry, we only have the vaccine because of Trump. We should call it the Trump vaccine. There's no way I'm taking that goddamn vaccine. Like that's, that's the duality of thought we have to contend with. And as you know, uh, Donald Trump and his lovely wife both had the shots. And we only know that because we were told. They didn't tell us. They had it done in the White House. No photos, no announcement, no nothing. 
the lives that could be saved if your former boss just came out and did a simple video in one shot telling people to go get the jab. And I, I keep wondering, what is it with the GOP? Are they trying to kill off their own base? I know they don't need democracy anymore. They don't really need their voters anymore because they found ways to get around you know, voting. But at the end of the day, I really think that they are so determined to slow any recovery and hurt Joe Biden that they're willing to sacrifice their own viewers, their own donors, their own voters. That's the only explanation that makes any sense. They are willing to let Joe Biden help our economy over your dead body and your dead body and your dead body. And remember, I've said this often, and so many of them are now following the Trump playbook. You may remember when I uh, stood up before the House Oversight Committee. And I turned around and I said to, I forget if it was that fucking scumbag Meadows or, or Jim Jordan or one of those assholes. And I turned around and I said to him, I know what you're doing. And I know the play that you're running. And they said, really, really? And I'm like, yeah, because I wrote the playbook. And so I'm telling you that the playbook here is that Donald Trump doesn't care about anyone or anything other than himself. And so if they stay on that same message, which is, again, to a party of one, which is to Trump and simply and only Trump, then they will be within his good graces. Uh, Like in the movie Meet the Fockers, they will be within the the circle of trust. (laughs) And that's and that's all that they want, because they fear their biggest fear is that they will not be reelected because Trump will put out an angry statement about them and they and they are petrified. But you're right. Weekday mornings, the story begins in California. The Times, a daily news podcast from the Los Angeles Times, gives you a West Coast perspective on the story shaping policy and opinion. Join host Gustavo Arellano and a diverse range of voices every weekday morning as they cover the critical issues like only a team reporting from California can. From immigration to income inequality, climate change to racial justice, nativism to technology. The Times explores the contradictions and hard truths of the Golden State and the nation through a West Coast perspective. Through interviews and original stories, The Times, daily news from the Los Angeles Times, is the podcast you need to understand the world and how California shapes it. Because if an issue that's in California isn't in your town yet, chances are it will be soon. Expect award-winning reporting, hard-hitting investigations, and L.A. eccentricities from the biggest newspaper west of the Mississippi. New episodes of The Times are available every weekday. To listen and subscribe, go wherever you get your podcast and search for The Times. Daily news from the L.A. Times. The thing that bothered me so much is the night before Trump and Melania ended up leaving the White House... They got inoculated. And instead of doing the responsible thing, the same thing that former presidents Obama, Bush and Clinton did, they went ahead, they made a public service announcement out of the vaccine. They all got up there. They got the Fauci, ouchy injection. You know, they went ahead and they said, you know, we'll let you know how we feel. And they did. And we're now only at 50 percent vaccinated in this country. And according to Dr. Fauci and others, we need it to be more like 80 percent. And all that they're doing is they're hurting our recovery. But then again, 
to someone like Mitch McConnell, another fucking asshole who's sitting there and trying to placate, you know, play to Donald Trump. What did he turn around and say to Joe Biden? I will never I will never go along with anything that you try to put through anything that you try to do. I am going to try to stop. I don't know. That's one hell of a way to run a country. I would agree. Uh, You know, it was very quaint that Joe Biden ran for president saying, I can work with these guys. I can work with these guys. And I'm like, were you around for Barack Obama's presidency? I think you were there, right? They can't do their jobs, Michael. And this is the paradox of modern right wing politics. It has become very much like a cult. And that's something I know a lot about. But the, the, the irony is that, you know, if they were to work with Democrats, to try to improve the lives of American citizens, to try to make things better for children and the unborn. If they were to work with the other side, you know what's going to happen. It's what I call the Dave Brat theory. Eric Cantor was the number one Republican in the House for years. And every week he would go up to the White House and say no to everything Barack Obama wanted. No, no, no. Dave Brat, local businessman, decides to challenge Eric Cantor for his congressional seat. And he does it by saying Can you believe this, Eric Kanner? Every week he sits down with Barack Obama. I wouldn't sit down with Barack Obama. And there's always going to be some, and and he beat him. So there's always going to be someone louder, more racist, more stupid. I call them the illiterati. So this is what paralyzes our Republican friends in the House and Senate. If they do their jobs, they lose their jobs. So they can't do anything. They have to oppose because, as you pointed out, keeping the gig is the only thing that matters until they can eventually graduate to their destiny of being shitty lobbyists. And that's all they're in it for. They're not patriots. None of them are Christian. Let me say that again. None of them are Christian. There is no teaching of Christ that the Republican Party fights for legislatively in any way. And we have to call them out with ridicule, with nonviolence, with facts, with empathy, because they don't serve our conservative brothers and sisters. We literally are fighting for the lives of people who hate us. These people who are fed Tucker Carlson every night saying, I'm just asking questions. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying anything about the vaccine, just asking questions. But he won't book anyone who could answer the questions. The ignorance is spreading. Ignorance is our most horrible airborne virus. And we have to fight for the lives of these people because their own elected leaders don't care. Well, John, you said that you know a lot about cults. How do you know a lot about cults? You were never in one, from what I understand. You're a Long Island boy, aren't you? Long Island boy, yes, sir. Uh, Yeah, which part? uh, Grew up in Port Jeff, Stony Brook, went to high school in uh, Setauket, which is a Navajo term, meaning don't touch my car. And um, (laughs) my dad is from Brooklyn. My mom is from the South. So I grew up bilingual. Uh, you know, we all, we all use household. Um, she called us y'all. He called us rat bastards. My parents are both ex-clergy. My dad was a Franciscan brother. He taught history to Catholic boys in Brooklyn and wore the robes and the rope belt and the lost Jedi of Flatbush. My mother was a nun from the South. She went into the convent right after high school. They put her through nursing school and then sent her off to work in Malawi, Africa, uh, first in a leper hospital and then in a jungle hospital. Um, my mom eventually left the convent and married my dad. He was madly in love with this nun for 10 years and couldn't tell her. Finally, he proposed to her and she left. And so growing up, I was raised, you know, to appreciate Jesus the way any guy appreciates mom's first husband. But, um, I've come to view Jesus the way I view Elvis. I love the guy, but a lot of the fan clubs terrify me. And my mother came to view her. My parents stayed very Catholic, very religious their entire life. 
And my mother came to view her time in the convent as being a cult. And I came to understand exactly why she felt that way. And to see the cult elements of the Holy Roman Empire. Um, I'm a big fan of Jesus. I'm a big fan of God. I've made it my business as I've gotten further away from the church to know the Bible even better. Uh, I've debated Jerry Falwell Sr. and David Duke on the Bill Maher Show. I've been picketed by Westboro Baptist Church. You know, there's. it started because I, I didn't understand how you could be a follower of Jesus and hate gay people. So I really did a deep dive, and I realized that you can't be a follower of Jesus and hate gay people. It doesn't exist. By the way, Bible's not against abortion either. Uh, it's not against birth control. Uh, Jesus never said we have to give tax cuts to the wealthiest Nazarenes or the torture's okay on some occasion. And it blows my mind, and you know this better than anyone, that under your former boss, we saw the Christians give it all up for Caligula. And I think it's all because of abortion. Abortion is how... Over the last 40 years, they've done it. They got the followers of Jesus to vote against everything Jesus ever talked about by talking about abortion, which Jesus never freaking talked about. And that, to me, is the core of the racket that's been perpetrated on this country, on our conservative loved ones who used to just be wrong, right? They used to just be wrong about things. Now they're batshit. We used to debate for immigrant rights and women's rights and uh, LGBT rights and children's rights and the rights of marginalized people. Now we're debating two plus two is four and the sky is blue. Like, like objective fact is now on the endangered species list. And I have uh, one of the things I do on my Sirius XM show and in stand up as well. You know, I'm like, say, I like to say, you don't need to believe any of the Bible to use it against these people because Jesus is not their savior. He's their mascot. He's their prop. They use him to appear more virtuous as your boss did. I always say to people, please name one gospel teaching of Christ that guided your vote for Donald Trump. You don't need to believe in any of the Bible to do this, oh, by the way. I, I know. I know the answer. Go ahead. I know the answer. Two Corinthians. Two Corinthians. Walk into a bar. <laughs> yeah. And that's Paul. That's Paul, by the way. I mean, which, like, they, you know. I mean it's, it's, in all fairness, right? I mean, does, do you think that Donald has ever in his life opened up the Bible? And that's obviously a rhetorical question. The answer is fuck no, right? Don, when he was holding it up, it, was, it wasn't even a Bible. It was dictatorship for dummies. <laughs> I mean, he's so fucking, he's so fucking stupid. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, it wasn't that he bamboozled the evangelicals. It's fact. I brought the evangelicals. To Donald. Yes, you did. And I did it through Jerry Falwell Jr., yes, who's a did. friend of mine. He he right the, he and you know and Becky, his wife, are still to this day friends of mine that we still speak. We we just do. And you know, whatever they believe in, that's their prerogative. I like them as people and I don't judge them. I don't mind if somebody likes Donald. Just like him for the right reason. I can't figure out how you like a racist, sexist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, anti-Semite. I'm just not sure. But I mean, I gotta some tell people you, do. No. And by all means, knock yourself out. But for me, right, I don't – it bothers me when – Everybody believes that Trump brought the evangelicals in. They had their game plan, exactly what you said. They want to overturn Roe v. Wade. It's extremely, extremely important to them. Yeah. And they also have the judges on a list that they would want in order to, again, 
occupy both federal as well as um, the Supreme Court. And through Trump, they found that mechanism. And so they were willing to, something Jerry Falwell Jr. has said often, I didn't vote for Donald. I I didn't elect Donald to be my pastor in chief. I voted for him to be the commander in chief. And I grant him that. And I and I respect anybody's opinion. I don't I don't understand it, nor do I agree with it. It's not my opinion. But at the same point in time, I got to be honest with you. um, You're entitled to vote for whoever you want. That's called democracy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And by the way, let me just say, I've never met Falwell Jr. I did meet his father. But um, if he and his wife enjoy having the kind of fun that they appear to enjoy, then that's fine with me. It's extremely likable. I'm glad they're good communicators with each other. And I think life is hard. Being an adult is a monster. If you find someone you love and you're into the same kink and it's all consenting adults and no one's being hurt, be as filthy as you want because Jesus never had anything to say about sexuality, except he wasn't a fan of adultery. I mean, but like not even premarital sex. But you're right. It's abortion that they've done, that they've used for it. And, you know, Jesus never mentions abortion. The Bible is not against abortion. Jesus was against the death penalty. Uh, He overturns Roe v. Wade in Sermon on the Mount. And, of course, Donald Trump had more federal prisoners executed than any other president in the last hundred years. You're right. You can believe whatever you want. My whole thing is don't go telling me it's Christian. Don't go doing this like like Holy Roller cosplay saying that you're doing this because of the Lord. I've read the damn book, and I ask everyone, Michael, I always say, please cite one gospel teaching of Jesus, one thing he said that Donald Trump is not the opposite of, one thing that guided your vote for Donald Trump. It's how you learn how biblically illiterate a lot of these so-called Christians really are, and that's why I think it's a cult. It's authoritarian. (laughs) They follow a leader. They are immune to facts, and they don't even, even the facts of the Bible, they're immune to. I mean, I can't get out of my head when he got up there. Two Corinthians. Two Corinthians. It's two Corinthians. <laughs> that's that's it's that's the whole ball of game, folks. Two Corinthians. He's so fucking stupid. Meanwhile, uh, so let me ask you this, John. Secondly, when they do the investigation or the history of what happened, how culpable will the likes of Fox News, uh, Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, etc., be for spreading disinformation about the vaccine? No matter what Sean Hannity is trying to do at the moment. Yeah. Here's the deal. 42 states had an increase in cases in the last two weeks. And this is the Delta variant. It's now 83% of all new cases. Hospitalizations are going up. Deaths are going up. And um, in the month of May, 150 fully vaccinated people got COVID, got sick, and died. 18,000 unvaccinated Americans got COVID, got sick, and died. All we need are the numbers. But, yeah, when they write the whole story of all of it, Fox is completely complicit. I mean, Rupert is completely complicit. And as you know, Rupert can't stand your former boss. I mean, Fox's bias is ratings. If if Sean Hannity could get higher numbers by saying single payer is awesome, Rupert would make him say single payer is awesome. And so they wrote the Trump thing. And and obviously they're complicit. The lies are right there. But I've come to think after this presidency – that we need some cabinet level position uh, of about disinformation. I mean, we're now seeing lies that are easily disproved killing people, whether it's on the Capitol steps or whether it's in our, our ventilator wards. I mean, lies are killing people, lies that are people are using for political expediency. Are we as a society going to say this is the new normal? 
like Kardashians. It's just never going to go away. Or are we going to actually stand up and say, you'll pay consequences if you're making a profit by lying to the American people and it leads to people being dead? I mean, it's just all we got to do is use their own morality against them. What is conservatism? What is Christianity? Under Trump, it has become a cult, an authoritarian cult, immune to facts, immune to morality, immune to everything they claim to believe in right before this. And you know what? I think it's great. Like, at least they're not pretending to be good people anymore. There's either we're all in this together or fuck you. And Donald Trump is the first man to ever run for president. Every president we've ever had, even Bush, who I still think was probably a worse president than Trump. But everyone has always appealed to the better angels of our nature. We, we can do great things together as Americans. If we come together, blah, blah, blah. Trump's the first guy to ever show up and say, hey, folks, look at me. I'm a big, fat, fucking racist, lying asshole who humiliated the mother of my own children on TV every night with my mistress. And I'm fucking rich. I was born into it. I've never worked a day in my life. I, I'm so fucking fat. I haven't seen my genitals since the 80s. And I screw hookers and models all the time. Look how awesome I am. And people loved it. He was like crack for the human id. He wasn't telling you to be better. He was saying, fuck the people who want you to be better. And that's a powerful drug to a lot of weak people. You know what's really sad, too, is you won't see on Fox News, and it's the biggest disinformation uh, organization in this, maybe in the planet. But one thing that you don't see on Fox News is that of those individuals that have recently passed as a direct result of the coronavirus, 98% of them were unvaccinated. Folks, I really want you to I really want you to hear me on this one. Only 2% of those that died were vaccinated. 98% were unvaccinated. It's got to tell you something. Yeah. It's got to tell you the first place that you should be going is to the pharmacy store and get the vaccination because yeah, you still could come down with the covid it's still very possible, but your symptoms will be flu-like, headache, loss of smell, loss of taste. Okay, it's not loss of life, yeah. right? Meanwhile, talk about Fox and their stupid disinformation, and I talk about this shit all the time. Ian Moore, another fucking scumbag <laughs> with, with Fox. He's with the New York Post. This guy, yeah. this guy know, lies know, about me him. every opportunity. Him. Yeah, he's a piece of shit every fucking time that he has a chance to lie about me. They keep promoting this disinformation campaign that thanks to uh, the New York Post and me having dinner at this restaurant around the corner from me, right, that that's why I was remanded. Rejudge Hellerstein's decision, you stupid, stupid asshole. Just read it. You know what it said? It was fucking retaliatory by Bill Barr, Michael Carvajal, the head of the BOP. And of course, if it came from Bill Barr, it came from Donald Trump. Yeah. It had nothing to do. I was on furlough. I was allowed to be wherever I wanted as long as I was within the vicinity of my home. I was 800 feet from my home. And yet they keep continuing to this day promoting it, promoting and promoting because they can't acknowledge that they're wrong. They can't acknowledge that they're a shit news organization, that they've basically been replaced by, you know, that they've now replaced the National Enquirer as the biggest fucking joke paper on the planet. Look, 
with the National Enquirer, we all knew with David Pecker and AMI, we knew when they're talking about aliens walking down Madison Avenue buying Louboutin shoes. We knew it was fucked up and we knew it was stupid and we knew it was a joke. But you don't expect that from the New York Post or you didn't until Rupert decided that it's financially beneficial to this ragtag piece of shit paper to have fools like Ian Moore, right? Go ahead and start writing stuff that's just not true and keep promoting it again and again and again. And that's the disinformation campaign. And it's too bad that we don't have the same type of laws that they have in the UK where you can sue for defamation on this and the loser has to end up paying everybody's legal fees and damages. That's it's too bad. We should actually think about that. And by the way, Ian writes for page six, which along with the sports are the best part of that paper. Depressingly enough, I mean, but I mean, that paper has been, a, a, you know, a garbage heap since the 80s when I was a kid. But, yeah, we don't have any recourse against this. And, you know, right now, I mean, I wanted to ask you something, actually. I have a lot of questions for you, but like, well, let me let me just keep moving on, because I have another person who's up on my top stupid list, Madison um, Cawthorn. Right. Oh, yes. In reaction. Yeah, I mean, we can't we can't leave him out of this conversation because in reaction to an absurd Madison Cawthorn interview where he warns that people going door to door to offer vaccines could start. I mean, get a load of this shit could start confiscating their Bibles and their guns. And you said the following, and I quote, this level of hysteria shows just how terrified the GOP is that white people are going to finally realize they've done nothing for them and have nothing to offer. Now, I'm hoping that you can unpack what you meant here for my listeners. Sure, I'd love to. Uh, by the way, you don't need to worry uh, because uh, Trump supporters haven't read their Bibles anyway. But what I meant by that was that um, ask yourself this. What has the Republican Party done for non-millionaires? OK, just for non-millionaires, not for millionaires and some trickles down there. What has the Republican Party done for non-millionaires since Richard Nixon gave us the earned income tax credit? Almost 50 years ago. I, I mean, I, I ask everyone, what have they done? And it, the answer is nothing. What they sell is umbrage, right? And, and that's one thing that conservatives and liberals have in common in this country. We're all addicted to outrage. It sells. It gets everyone mad, liberals, conservatives, whatever. But they have to give a steady, steady diet of rage and anger to right-wing people because they have nothing to offer them legislatively. They have done nothing but enable more pollution, let the rich get richer, uh, have illegal wars. But when's the last time the Republican Party did anything about education, did anything about health care? I'm not a Democrat by any means. I never have been. But I mean, this is the racket. So, you know, what have we seen this year? Well, they're canceling the Muppets. OK, that wasn't true. Uh, well, Mr. Potato Head, they're, they're taking away his gender. I'm like, if you get upset about that, you should demand they have genitals to put on Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. All right. Like then it became, uh, oh, well, Joe Biden's taking your hamburgers. Remember that? That lasted about a day and a half. Then it was, oh, well, uh, Kamala Harris is forcing kids in detention centers to read her children's book. That was another piece of bullshit. Finally, critical race theory has caught on for a couple of weeks. That's the one that's kind of hung on because essentially they're saying, hey, uh, if you teach the history of racism, you hate America. And literally, literally, they're trying to get people angry that kids are being taught that racism is bad. And the new racism, as you know, is the denial of racism. When Trump said 
very fine people on both sides about Charlottesville. And all, you know, right, right wing people were saying, well, he wasn't talking about uh, the white supremacists. He, he was just talking about the peaceful marchers. The peaceful marchers in Charlottesville were literally there to honor white supremacy, to keep up statues of traitors who took up arms against America because they wanted to keep human beings as pets. Like, like you had to be this white supremacist just to show up at Charlottesville. But this is what it is now. Like, we deny racism exists. And that's part of the ongoing racket. So all of our loved ones and we all everyone has a, a person in their life they love who's a Fox News addict drooling on the clicker, getting angrier and angrier. The things Chucker's saying, because that's all they have to offer. And they're good at it. The right wing in America is good at two things. Redistribution of wealth to the top one percent and getting hardworking conservative folks to think that's good. Right. And I was going to say the exact same thing. All the Republican tax benefits during the course of the Trump administration, the four years, all all benefited the big companies. None of it trickled down. The only thing that they then turned around and said was, well, look at what we did regarding estate taxes, right? Look at what we did regarding your federal um, income tax numbers and so on. Short of that, everything that they tried to pass, everything that they did pass, whether it was by executive order or some other way, um, they all failed. But Even I, I want to move on, John. The estate, and- the estate tax, they called it the death tax for years to get non-millionaires angry about something. It doesn't affect you at all if you're a non-millionaire. And with Trump's tax cut, think about, I mean, 83% of the benefits go to the top 1%. And Donald Trump ran for office claiming to bring jobs back. A guy who had outsourced his own manufacturing for his shitty ties to Mexico and China. He runs for president saying he's going to bring manufacturing jobs back to America. And what's the first thing he does? Give the greatest tax cut in history, rewarding every corporation who shipped our jobs overseas. He never meant any of it. He just used... Of course not. Of course not. He kept placating, you know, the silent majority, as he liked to call them. I'm your guy. I'm your guy. The truth be told, he wasn't the guy for anybody. He's the guy for himself. That's just what a narcissistic sociopath is all about. It's all about him. As more people get vaccinated, the summer travel season is starting to heat up. But watch out for pandemic-related travel scams, including fake airline tickets and accommodations booked online that may cause you to expose your personal information to cyber criminals. Don't trust unfamiliar sites when booking travel or deals too good to be true. We do a lot more online these days. Your information is out there, exposed. Unfortunately, cybercriminals are always looking for ways to take that info. The all-in-one protection of Norton 360 with LifeLock makes it easy to have protection in the digital world. Device security helps block cybercriminals from stealing your personal information. VPN with bankrate encryption helps keep information you send over Wi-Fi safe. LifeLock Identity Theft Protection monitors your personal information and alerts you to potential threats. Now, no one can prevent all cybercrime and identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But if you have Norton 360 with LifeLock, you can opt into cyber safety. So sign up today and save 25% or more off your first year by going to Norton.com slash Cohen. That's 25% off Norton 360 with LifeLock at Norton.com slash Cohen.
Let me ask you this, because here, here comes another asshole on our list. Because I think, John, you and I have a very similar list here. Uh, Representative Jim Jordan, the only stupid asshole that refuses to wear a jacket in the people's house. <laughs> I don't understand it. I, I, I truly don't. Everybody else dressed to the nines when they're there representing, not him. I mean, the guy actually thinks he's there, you know. I don't know. I don't know what well, he's. Yeah, I don't know what he's. Spent a lot of time in sweaty locker rooms, so just the plain shirt. Yeah. Well, we're gonna. You know? Well, we're gonna talk about that too. But Representative Jim <laughs> Jordan of Ohio is one of the three insurrection deniers chosen by Kevin McCarthy to sit on the January sixth commission. Which I don't understand how they will even work, you know, considering the schmuck doesn't believe that a riot actually happened and himself voted to overturn the election even after and during the fucking riot anyway. Um, this is who Kevin McCarthy then chooses yep. to sit on the committee. I mean, I, I, I again, I'm, I'm, I have a loss for words, but by choosing these absolutely rotten and detestable human beings to sit on the January 6th committee, what is McCarthy actually trying to do here? Well, he's trying to humiliate Nancy Pelosi. Um, three of the picks, Jim Jordan and Jim Banks and Troy Niels, voted to overturn the 2020 election results in Arizona and Pennsylvania. Uh, 100% of the Republicans Kevin McCarthy named to the committee voted against creating the committee even after they had, like they, they agreed to all of their demands. And once all their demands were met, they voted against creating it. So Jim Jordan, who's, by the way, is going to be a witness to the January 6th terror attack on our Capitol, because it was a terrorist attack. If you have a dictionary, you'll see that's true. Um, he was at a planning meeting for January 6th on December 21st in the White House. Uh, he was probably in the Trump war room just before January 6th as well. But McCarthy would love to have these complicit guys as part of his picks for one reason to humiliate Liz Cheney for another, you know, damn well what Jim Jordan's going to do. Everything he does in a committee is audition for Fox news. He's going to monologue and give the Fox news soundbite. I actually think that could backfire on him. I, I think they should go ahead and put a Marjorie Taylor green or put a Matt Gates, let them be the face of the party. Or if you're Matt Gates, let them be the extremely large forehead of the party because having these clowns on the committee might actually make more people lean in and watch the hearings. So I think that might be actually a pretty good supervillain that gets the numbers up. But yeah, Jim, and by the way, they want to make Jim Jordan their representative? <laughs> Go for it. Let more people learn about why Jim Jordan's in trouble and why people spell his name G-Y-M. <laughs> yeah, G-Y-M is right. But, you know, when I was there at the House Oversight Committee and Jim Jordan was the I believe the right, you know, the ranking member. And so his behavior was so appalling that my feeling is putting him on this commission. It just it denigrates what they're trying to accomplish here, yep. which is to give the American people what we're entitled to, which is an understanding, an inside look at the information that has been accumulated by our incredible law enforcement. Yes. And to let the American people digest it for themselves. You don't need, you know... Uh, Rudy, the idiot Giuliani, to sit there in the Four Seasons parking lot, you know, with <laughs> shit dripping from the side of his fucking face to tell you something where you say, you know what, I don't believe it or I do believe it. I mean, there are people that believe what Rudy Giuliani says. I truly, 
truly believe that these people are fucking demented and really need psychiatric help. But I want you to think for a second of I want you to think for a second of Mark Meadows, who ended up parading Lynn Patton, the only black um, person who worked at the Trump organization. She was not an executive. She became an executive because we didn't have a black executive. So she was needed almost, I hate to say it, but it was like almost became like a token for what they were looking for, which is disgraceful. But Mark Meadows then parades her out there in order to, let's say, refute my allegations that Donald Trump is a racist. Well, okay, folks, Folks, let me ask you this question, and I want you to yell it out in your window or, you know, just yell it in your house or wherever you're standing. Is Donald Trump a racist? And the answer is yes. Yes, my God. All you have to do is just look at all of the examples. So when I said it, he's parading the only black person who I happen to have brought to the company. She was a friend of mine before she came working there. He brings her in order to refute my statements. And what is this mature individual, this representative of, you know, this congressional representative do? He puts up a fucking poster board with my face on it. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Yep. Well, it's interesting because Mueller, even the SDNY, obviously now Tish James and Cy Vance and everybody else that I've spoken to, Congress, except for when I lied, which I did at the direction of and for the benefit of, again, Donald Trump, along with Ivanka and Jared and a host of their lawyers and Jay Sekulow. All of a sudden, what I'm saying is the truth. And it's funny how the truth not only sets you free, but it, like Buddha says, right? The truth will always rise. Look yeah. at what happened today with Tom Barrack or yeah. Tom Barack, right? This is what happens. The truth will always rise because somebody there had a document that had somebody's name on it. It got to our law enforcement. Yep. They took it serious. They took it a lot. They, I mean, they took also, which I never understood, the steel dossier, a bunch of garbage, right? I mean, they took that seriously, which is how I ended up, you know, having my case sent to the Southern District. But that's for a whole nother conversation. Okay. But look at what Mark Meadows did. Fucking immature. Oh, yeah. And Jim Jordan is and Jim Jordan is no different. Yes, they're children. He's just going to he's going to be a he's going to be a sideshow because he, too, is playing to a party of one. That's his job. That's his job. Although in Jim Jordan's case, he's playing to get a clip on Newsmax and Fox. He's going to monologue and ignore everything that's said. And, you know, I mean, my God, Lynn Cheney is suddenly the hero of all the liberals. Dick Cheney killed a million people for a lie. Liz Cheney killed her own career. For the truth. I'm just here for the irony. But to, to your point, we can't separate Trump from the white supremacy. Everyone who defends him should be asked a very simple question. Uh, where was Barack Obama born? Michael, it's amazing. I've asked this question to conservative brothers and sisters who called my radio show, uh, who I've, I've met and debated on TV. Um, I've never seen a question that scares so many men so deeply. Uh, he claims to be born in Hawaii. I believe he's born in Hawaii. I mean, Trump admitted on September 16th, 2016, that he was born here. But the entire campaign began with this birther racism. You look at what happened on, the, on, on January 6th, right? You've got a bunch of overwhelmingly white people who are having this terrorist attack on the Capitol because they wanted to throw out not the entire votes. They wanted to throw the votes in certain urban districts, urban districts in Arizona and Pennsylvania. 
They wanted to throw out black votes. They are carrying the Confederate flag in this assault. Then you saw Tim Scott say in the in the Capitol building, say this is not a racist building, literally built by slaves. You can't separate Trump from the white supremacy, from the Central Park Five. Have we ever had a more pro-Confederate president in our history than Donald Trump? I've never seen someone stand up for Confederate monuments, our beautiful monuments, he called them. So like, we have to call it out. We have to call out the racism. It gets really, really tedious, but it's such a part of it because denial is their religion. And to some degree, denial's always been America's national religion. But these motherfuckers are getting people killed now. And we have to shame them nonviolently with as many forms of, of ridicule and fact as we can. But we can call it out all we want. That somehow or another, Donald Trump's McDonald's type of slogan message, right? There are good people on both sides. If that isn't enough in order to wake up the American people to Donald Trump's true inner core of racism and hatred. I don't know what will. I mean, let me be very clear. There are not good people on both sides. Thank you. Right? As the son of a Holocaust survivor, I am telling you that there are not good people on both sides. There are good people on one side, and those that believe in the suppression of another individual— I don't care what you say. Yeah. They're just not good people. Yeah, I And Charlottesville, believe. with them running down the streets, right, screaming, Jews will not replace us. And Donald Trump lacking the intestinal fortitude, right, to turn around and to call out David Duke and white supremacy. Yeah. To me, is it's mind boggling. Yeah. It's it, it blows. It, it should blow everybody's mind. And it's because. Go ahead. There is no other way to there is no other way to describe it, John. You're you're exactly right. And it's like it's always been this way with this guy. I mean, I look, I only work with him once or twice over the years. I mean, you knew him much better than me, but I grew up around guys like him my whole life. And, you know, there's a lot of white people out there who don't really believe that racism is racism unless they see a tape of a white person saying the N word. So you could talk about like institutionalized racism, uh, uh, you know, racist sentencing guidelines, a racist criminal justice system. Uh, people don't care. If I hear a white person say the N word, uh, then it's racism because I've decided this is a white. I was on Good Morning Britain uh, having a debate early on in the presidency over um, the way he mocked the disabled reporter for The New York Times. And like they all had the same line. Oh, he wasn't really mocking him. He did that for everybody. And I had to say, if you watch the clip, he says, have you seen this guy, this poor guy, and then launches into it. And beyond that, beyond that, why did Trump mock the disabled guy? He mocked the disabled journalist because the disabled journalist, you ready, wouldn't back up his lies. Because Trump told this lie that he saw thousands of Muslim dancing on 9-11. It wasn't true. This guy had one article where he said there were unconfirmed reports of a few Muslims dancing in Jersey City. Trump said, there it is. There's the proof. This guy said, no, that's not the proof. And that's why Trump said, have you seen this guy? Oh, I don't know what I wrote. Uh, He was literally mocking a man's disability because the man wouldn't help him with a racist lie. And our media doesn't want to explain those three steps because three steps is very complicated. So we just get the, oh, no, he wasn't really mocking him. He does that all the time for people. And that's it. The media love Trump more than conservatives because the media's one true bias is ratings, eyeballs, clicks. And liberals helped get Donald Trump elected because 
hate watching is a powerful force. You know, I always said Trump was like the true detective season two of politics. He thought he was loved because he got such high ratings. He didn't understand people will watch you because they fucking despise you. That's what happened. And look right now how much less his impact is because he's not on Twitter anymore. It's hurting his brand so much. He and Bill O'Reilly can't sell out hockey stadiums now because he can't reach people. So, like, just imagine how much smaller his voice is going to be by the time we get to 2024. He can still hurt people, but you don't think he could ever become president again? No, and he won't be hurting anybody because... Uh, I continue to work with the district attorney and the attorney general and rest assured to my listeners and to you that he won't be running. All right. He's got he's got a, a whole lot of trouble um, going on right now in his life and so on. Um, That's what but I, I do want to ask you, about, Mr. Cohen. I mean, like, can I just well, really before quick? wait, wait, okay. hold on before we do that, because I'm not off of Jim Jordan yet. Hit me. All right. Because Jim Jordan really fucking personally gives me the creeps. Right? He, he gave me the creeps when I met. He really does. I mean, the guy allegedly covered up uh, molestation charges against the uh, OSU wrestling team doctor. He is what I would determine the epitome of the science-denying, QAnon-believing, conspiracy-loving MAGA freak show. And this just adds to the overall weirdness of this guy. If you would, discuss with me your views on Jim Jordan. Because to me, again, he's like Matt fucking Gates' creepy science teacher's uncle, right? I mean, that's just, that's just who the guy is. What, did, what, is, what yeah. do you think his appeal is to the MAGA faithful, other than the fact that he channels their grievances and kisses Donald's ass? That's it. That's it. He sells them more outrage. That's the entire playbook. You got to get someone dumber louder, more evil, more racist. I call them the illiterati. These are not like the old Republicans we knew who were nice people, kind of wrong about stuff, but, you know, likable enough. This is why the Republican Party is getting smaller. But we got a lot of dumb people in America. Ignorant white guys are still our number one uh, export. That's why you have Louis Gomez. That's why Ron Johnson, the dumbest senator I've ever met in my life. I mean, the guy, could he, he, he could stop light. He's so dense. And yet, this is what they peddle. They go around selling Christianity to people who've never read the Bible. They go around peddling patriotism to people who hate tons of other Americans. And that's why you'll get a moral vacuum like Jim Jordan, who literally looked the other way when young men were being molested in a gym, allegedly. Uh, And he's the cheerleader. Ted Cruz, I mean, all of these. What Republican do we admire? What Republican in D.C., in, in the House or the Senate, is admired the way even a John McCain was admired? Uh, there's no one. Mitt Romney? I mean, they don't exist anymore. It has become a cult of ignorance. It's become a cult of anger. It's become a cult of authoritarianism. It's a cult of hate. It's not American values. It's not Christian values. It's not constitutional values. I ask when conservatives call my show, and I always – it's a love fest. I won't hate it back. But I say, you know, what does your party stand for? It's not it's not fiscal responsibility. It's not the Constitution. It's not small government. My God, Reagan grew the government by 61,000 jobs. Bush created the Department of Homeland Security, grew the government. They love government. It's democracy they hate. Government's how they reward their donors, right? So, like, what does it stand for? It stands for owning the libs and blind obedience to Donald Trump. And that's all conservatism means anymore in this country. The world is racing to get back to normal and start meeting up in person again. 
But after the year we've all had, getting back to feeling normal takes time. My journey back to the world started with being released from prison into home confinement. The only way I got through it was to prioritize my mental health and realize that it was going to take some time. If you're feeling overwhelmed by it all, you're not alone. It's important to find the support you need to face those feelings and move forward. We all talk to our friends when we're experiencing issues, but they don't always give the advice that we need. In my case, nothing they said related to what I was going through. Getting unbiased feedback and advice from a licensed professional can be refreshing and actually rewarding. When you're in a low point, you might feel alone. But over 50% of Americans struggle with their mental health. We all need help sometimes, and asking for support when you need it is actually a sign of strength. Talkspace makes it easy to match with a licensed therapist and schedule live video sessions, all from the comfort of your device. You can start messaging your therapist the same day that you sign up. Whether you're a parent, student, millennial, or just someone having a hard day, Talkspace can provide the support to help you feel better with a single message. Talkspace offers individual and couples therapy, in addition to medication prescription services. Set goals with your therapist, and they can help make sure that you're really progressing. Talkspace works around your schedule, at your convenience. Send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the app. Schedule live video sessions with your licensed therapists from anywhere. Whether you're experiencing depression, anxiety, or other problems, Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform to help you sort through any issue. Thousands of licensed therapists are available for you to match with. Talkspace therapists are experts in dozens of specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more to help you start feeling better today. So start feeling better with a single message. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code COHEN. That's $100 off when you use promo code COHEN at Talkspace.com. And again, there's a lot of this, and I'm going to start to talk about this uh, on each and every one of the shows. I want to start to you know, break it down because there are so many individuals in the media that get things wrong. Yeah. And they're not, it's not that they're just wrong. They're just dead wrong about it. And as you stated accurately, they make it up for bait clicks. They make it up for, you know, the Rupert Murdoch's of the world who yeah. are telling them, I don't give a shit whether you're accurate or not. It doesn't matter. And Trump saw this. You know, one thing, he's fucking evil and he sees and he sees this shit better than most people. He saw that the media was weak. Weak in the fact that they're never going to correct a mistake. And that's why he went after that journalist, right? Don't make the mistakes when it's about me. Make the mistakes when they benefit me. That's what Donald Trump's theory was. And unless media starts getting it right and figuring out when they make a mistake, how to apologize for it or how to correct it, they end up destroying people. They just go on and on. And it sort of takes on a life of its own simply because social media today is faster than the speed of light. Yes, sir. Before, before, I, look, I, I had a blowout today on the Henry Hutchin, uh, Hutchinson Parkway 
really going south uh, with my tire. I ended up having to take it to a dealership to have a new tire put on. It shredded it, probably a piece of rebar hanging out of the out of the concrete. And yet nobody really wants to talk about infrastructure, right? right? But I say that simply because before I even spent five minutes there, it was already out there. That what are you doing inside this dealership? One person knows another. They texted it to another. Next thing you know, there's a story about me being in this dealership. I mean, it's so crazy. So now picture if it's something else, if it's something that's newsworthy. You get one million impressions on your Twitter. Holy shit. Hey, Joe, take a look. I got 982,000 likes and 46 billion impressions. That's what Donald Trump was playing off of, his Twitter account. And knowing that, you know, there are journalists that will make mistakes, hopefully in his mind, for his benefit, but that they will be able to make mistakes and he will capitalize on it so that when you do call him out on a truth, what's the first thing that he said? Fake news. It's all fake news, folks. Right. And what he would do is he would say, hey, look what they did on this scenario. And he's right. They made mistakes. And I want to start calling out each and every one of these journalists that got it wrong. There were 23 separate lies told about me told about me lies i mean they're absolutely emphatically and i and i can prove that they're wrong including all of the allegations and there were 10 of them in the steel dossier i don't own a house i don't own a dacha in sochi next door to putin i just don't i've i've never been to prague i mean and i want to go start going on and maybe maybe i'll get some of these journalists that made the mistakes on here and see what they want to say and how they want to cover up for their own you know misgivings but if we don't stop media's inability to get the facts right somebody like trump a donald trump 2.0 will take advantage of the situation now that they have the basic playbook on what it means on how to go about destroying democracy you're you're right i mean journalists have a responsibility to report the facts and tell the truth and correct if they're wrong but the media doesn't the media's responsibility is to their shareholders to turn a profit by having ratings and charging more money for diaper ads. That's the media's responsibility, not to truth, not to the viewers, not to America, not to the public good. The media's responsibility is to turn a profit. Journalists do. And during the last two years of the administration, I began doing a a hashtag called um, Ask a Trump Defender. And I, I, I was doing it on the air a lot. And I just made a list of like 100 questions that you could have to ask the Trump defending loved one in your life, not to generate fights, just simple questions, right? Um, And one of them was, can you cite any example of fake news? Give me an example of something the media has said about Trump dishonestly that they did not correct. You know, I had a question about you as well. A question I still ask this day, uh, did Donald Trump uh, claim that Michael Cohen paid Stormy Daniels or did Donald Trump pay Stormy Daniels? The answer is both, of course. He did both of those things. But what's amazing, as I'm sure you know, our friends who watch Fox News don't get this information. They don't know these things. They don't know that Trump admitted Barack Obama was born here in 2016. They don't know that Ivanka got all those patents from the Chinese government. They just don't get those facts. Yeah. And, you know, look, uh, the one thing you said that you were writing down 100 questions, um, you know, based on your your show, uh, which discusses a lot about Christianity. That's why it's good to be Jewish. We only have four. We only have four questions that we ask during Passover. 
<laughs> just to give you a little. But look, there's been so significant. I'm from Long Island. Uh, I know. I tried to convert when I was 15, but my rabbi said I was too neurotic. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> now, there's been significant press recently on the spread of QAnon amongst white evangelicals. And I'm curious from your perspective, what you've heard of this phenomena, and as somebody knowledgeable about the workings of the church, what makes these individuals so susceptible to QAnon conspiracy? And finally, what steps are being taken to stop its spread? Is there any top evangelical out there that's turning around and putting a stop to this cannibalistic pedophilia organization that they claim exists in Washington by Democrats and so on? I mean, is there anybody that's being responsible here? No, no. Look, I talk about fundamentalists a lot, right? The extreme conservative religious folks. It doesn't matter what religion either. Fundamentalist Jews, fundamentalist Muslims, fundamentalist Christians, they tend to believe the same things, that uh, women are inferior, violence is okay if my side does it, other religions are fine, but mine's better, uh, being gay is bad, sex is icky, etc. Spiritual people use religion to try to be better people. Fundamentalists use religion to pretend they're better people. And we have a Christian culture in this country where folks believe that the talking snake was absolute literal fact, but Jesus saying love your enemies was just him being all metaphorical and shit. Like we live in a culture now where bless your heart is a euphemism for fuck you. America's culture <laughs> of Christianity is all about superstition. So I'm not shocked at all when right-wing Christians who believe Noah's Ark but they don't believe that Jesus was against the death penalty, even though he overturns eye for an eye in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not shocked when they believe anything, because that is the essence of fundamentalism. You don't you're not a spiritual seeker. You gobble up myth. And the more I believe the myth, the more right I am. Uh, that's not spirituality. That is not what any religion is supposed to be about. It's really lazy. And America has a long blood drenched history of being really lazy fucking Christians pretending to be spiritual while we own people or while we treat women as second-class citizens or invade countries that haven't attacked us. So I, I, I hate to say it because I love this country. I think every one of us is capable of redemption, even your boss, but you have to want to, you have to want to become better first. And I'm someone who's, you know, uh, hit rock bottom and had to climb back up and, and force myself to become a better person because I, I had to. So I have a lot of compassion for people who who have been laid low. But these evangelicals, I, I call them grabbing by the pussy evangelicals because that's their messiah. Their messiah. That didn't even that didn't even stop them. No, the three wives didn't stop them. No. The 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 allegations of um you know sexual impropriety in care. the affairs and and the whole nine yards. They they didn't care. So look, so you I guess what you're really trying to say is that something like Corinthians thirteen doesn't really <laughs> apply to Donald, right? Love is patient, love is kind, right? It does not envy, it does not boast. I mean, you know, that's the most beautiful thing, beautiful thing Paul ever wrote. And half the time, these Christians are quoting Paul, not Jesus, because they haven't read the freaking Bible. And that is why it's so easy to mislead such gigantic chunks of white America, because they claim to follow this guy. But the character of Jesus, if you read the Bible, 
was a peaceful, radical, nonviolent revolutionary, hung around with leprous hookers and crooks, never spoke English, wasn't American, was anti-capitalism, anti-wealth, anti-public prayer, Matthew 6, 5, anti-death penalty, never anti-gay, never mentioned abortion, never mentioned premarital sex, never called poor people lazy, never fought for tax cuts for the wealthiest Nazarenes, never said torture and waterboarding is okay sometimes, never asked a leper for a copay, and he was a long-haired, brown-skinned, that's in Revelation, brown-skinned, homeless, unarmed, community organizing, anti-slut shaming, liberal Palestinian Jew. But that's only if you believe what's actually in the Bible. You say you want a government based on Christian values. I'm there for it. I've read the Bible. Christ was as, as, as cool a guy as they come. It's his fan clubs. Matthew 25, he says, here's my marching orders, individuals and nations. Did you visit me? Were you, were you good to me in prison? Did you take care of me when I was sick? Did you take care of me when I was poor? And they say, well, when were you those things? He goes, if you didn't do it for the least of people, you didn't do it for me. That's Jesus telling nations, you've got a responsibility to care for the poor, to care for the sick, and to be kind to those in prison. Who wants to fucking do that? I'd rather beat up on trans soldiers who want to serve their country. So American Christianity is itself an entire racket. And so much of what I try to do is about the separation of church and hate, because it's really easy to get these revoltingly fake Christians to do, uh, well, uh, what an Austrian did in Germany 80 years ago. Well, you do know that Donald wanted to add to the Bible. It's a, it's a chapter called Trump, right? Trump won. If it's free, it's for me. End of story. <laughs> That's just how it goes. Now, John, you wanted to, you wanted to ask me a question. Oh, my God. Well, I, you know, I have this uh, conversation with my listeners all the time. I don't think uh, our friend is ever going to see the inside of a jail cell. I, I think that what's most likely, and when I look into all the different cases, all the different lawsuits, I mean, between the, the House representatives working on the financial and hotel records, the New York AG investigation, the Georgia County DA, I mean, we literally have him committing election fraud on tape. Arizona's investigating the election, Giuliani in Ukraine. You look at uh, the human rights group suing uh, about the Scottish golf course. You look at what's going on with Weisselberg. I don't think he, E. Jean Carroll. I mean, there's so many different investigations and lawsuits. I think his karmic retribution is probably going to be pouring money into defense attorneys for the rest of his life. But I don't think anything's ever going to stick to him. Do you? Yeah, so I do. I, I do. And I've said this on other podcasts as well as on television. You know, Donald Trump somehow is like a cat. He has nine lives. But I believe that he's already used up those nine lives. And this time, it's a lot different. Um, they have 14 million plus documents, uh, millions from him, millions from that fool Rudy, you know, with uh, with his uh, tapes and with his computers uh, and so on. They took information off of mine. Now they have Tom Barack. You know, there's just a, a multitude of people whose information all comes back to one man and one man only, oh, and that's yeah. Trump. Now, Absolutely. I do have but to say— But is it enough to make him go to jail? Of course they've got him. So the, answer is, so the answer is yes, but because he was the former president of the United States, it could pose a serious problem for putting him in jail. One, he'd be a target. Okay, number two, he has classified information in that fucked up head of his. Yeah. And would he be willing to sell it? Hell yeah. Oh, in yeah. order for a commissary for a fucking hamburger? Absolutely, yeah. he would. However, what I do believe that they can do is some type of a hybrid. He has three homes across the street from Mar-a-Lago. 
if he wants to make Florida his domicile, which he has, no problem. What on your dime, you're going to have to put Bureau of Prison Correctional Officers, one, two, whatever it is, three, right? Every eight like hours. Escobar, right? He can build his own jail. 100. It's okay. Yeah. By the way, you take away no cell phones. All when the, the phone that's there is tapped so that no different than when I was in uh, Otisville, if I called my wife, they were recording it. They were listening to it. And if they didn't like what I was saying, they could hang up on the, you know, the line. Do all of that. No, no technology in there. The same thing that people in the, in the federal prisons have to go through, Donald would have to go through. The only difference is he'd be doing it in the confines of his home. He can't go out. He can't have visitors coming in. That's what they can do to him that would really mess him up. But he's going to be so messed up uh, as it relates to the destruction of his eponymous company. You know, there's so much money that he owes and he just doesn't have it. He's not liquid. He'll try to grift off of, you know, his supporters. But I think many of them, as we've seen, are starting to walk away from him. Which kind of brings me to my last question to you. Hard to believe that we're already hitting the hour. No pleasure, sir. I'd love you. I would really love your take on a question that I ask many of my guests here on Mea Culpa. Um, And that's what you think it'll take for this current MAGA hold on the GOP and much of America to dissipate. I mean, will the evangelicals continue to be his last and most loyal base? Or will they all just eventually leave for some more moral pasture? You know, uh, criminalizing abortion has nothing to do with the teachings of Jesus. And blind obedience to a reality show landlord has nothing to do with patriotism. And I really love your podcast, Michael. I, I've come to enjoy it very, very much. I, I, I love your, your language. I love how good-natured it is and how smart and passionate it is. Uh, and to your point about Trump selling state secrets, I did a sketch about that a few months ago for one of our pay-per-view specials where I had Donald Trump doing a telethon uh, to raise more money by giving away state secrets. I actually think I, I kind of feel like that's why the government's putting out this weird messaging about UFOs. I, I was like, why are they doing this? And my wife is like, probably because they're afraid Trump knows something and he's going to sell it to the highest bidder. So they're just releasing UFO information right now. Um <laughs> You know, no one went to jail for the invasion of Iraq. No one went to jail for Iran-Contra. I I think you're right that, you know, Trump will, there will be punishment. There will be karmic retribution for what he's done. I don't know if it involves an orange jumpsuit. But um, if Putin owns $2 billion of his debt via Deutsche Bank, you know, that game's over already. So I am just... Yes, he will. He will fade away. Let's not forget the short attention span. These are the same people that called us un-American because we were against the invasion of Iraq. They booed George W. Bush in the 2016 primary race because Donald Trump told them to. Look how they were so blindly loyal to George W. Bush. And then they just turned on him. Why wouldn't they do the same thing to Donald Trump? There is no loyalty here. There's no morality here. It's all just who's the loudest in the prison yard. And that's who we're going to follow. So, yeah, I think he's going to have a terrible fall from grace. He'll always have his his obedient cult. I remember old people who defended Nixon. But um, I, I don't think he's going to be president. I don't think he'll run for president. It would be wonderful watching him tear Ron DeSantis apart on a primary debate stage. It'd be wonderful watching him tear Kevin McCarthy apart if he really wanted to be Speaker of the House. But... You know better than me. I don't think he likes working all that much. 
So no, and and he didn't and he didn't work when he was there. So yeah. I guess you know, um, just to quote another proverb, right? I guess these um, evangelicals that will continue, you know, to support him and so on, don't really uh, acknowledge, right? Was it a John four, right? We love because he first loved us, yeah. right? I mean, you know, Donald Trump is not the person that we're supposed to be loving admiring, you know, acknowledging and following. That's certainly for sure. Forced hysterectomies of migrant women at detention centers. <laughs> Forced hysterectomies. Locking up, locking up children, separating them from their parents. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't know. We can go on go and on. on and on about his human frailties and, you know, his inadequacies. But the show's the, the, the show has hit uh, its hour mark. And I do look forward pleasure. to coming on, on yours, on your show, on your serious show. Um, whenever, whenever you want. And I want to thank you for your perspective. I want to thank you for your time. This has really been uh, enlightening, not just from a political uh, you know, standpoint, but from a, um, a religious standpoint. Well, thank you. I think it's, you know, it's, it's still the same struggle. And, and they just found you know, a dumber ruler, come over Caligula. But I have uh, developed so much admiration for you and so much appreciation for the risks you took, the suffering you went through. And the fact that, uh, you know, you, unlike people like Bill Barr and, uh, and and Mitch McConnell, you seem to care about what your grandkids will think of you. And that's something I care about. And it's life is about redemption. So I, I thank you for the, the hard public work you have done in the service of the greater good. And I, I think. Well, let, let me, true. John, let me just say that I continue to do it. And I hate to say it, but the the pain and the anguish. It didn't stop. And it goes on every single day. It doesn't stop for me. You know, and I have issues with the Bureau of Prisons. I have issues with with uh, the Trump organization. I have issues with my former accountant, Jeffrey Getzel. I'm I'm tied up in all sorts of litigation as the plaintiff, though. It's always nice to be the plaintiff. And um, I will continue to speak truth to power until each and every one of these animals are held responsible for their own dirty deeds. Thank you for your service. Weisselberg, not going to flip, right? Not going to flip? Will flip. Okay, a boy can dream. And hey, look, uh, I tell all the Trumpers, you finally got one Barack arrested today. Well done. So thank Thank, you very much. Thank you very (laughs) much. Thanks, John. I'll see you very soon, pal. And now for today's mea culpa. Speaking to John Fogelsang today, I must make an actual mea culpa today for my role in delivering the evangelical vote to Donald Trump. If it wasn't for Jerry Falwell Jr.'s early endorsement, I don't think the rest of the evangelical community would have gone in line with what they did. This has been well documented in my book, Disloyal, but it warrants repeating as we find Trump against the ropes and his only remaining supporters, these very same evangelicals who believe Trump to be their savior. It opened my eyes to the fact that many of these ministers are in fact as corrupt as Trump himself. Their view of the Bible is based not on the Gospels, but in the way that can exploit their parishioners for personal gain and power. Now, I don't claim to be a great moralist. I'm a convicted felon, after all. Not that the two things should be mutually exclusive, but over the past four years, somehow, Trump became his own kind of Christ figure amongst the MAGA faithful. Part of this is directly connected to the culture of conservative victimhood and the idea that these proud white men and women are the ones who are in fact being persecuted. 
Trump became for them a lightning rod for the sins of liberal America and became almost infallible in their eyes. If I could turn back the clock and perhaps not scored Falwell Jr. those Justin Bieber tickets, things may have turned out much differently. But we can't change the past, nor can we predict the future. Nevertheless, it's these little decisions that at the time seemed inconsequential that continued to haunt me. What if I hadn't done this or I had done that? Trump may not have run or dropped out or a million different possibilities. The nights when I can't sleep or I awaken with nightmares, it's these scenarios that I run and rerun in my mind over and over and over. But that's the nature of guilt, especially when it applies to the truly evil. Hopefully, and I mean hopefully someday soon, that they'll stop. But until then, I consider them part of my penance. And thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. And it's written and produced by Jimmy Jelinek. Executive producers are Jared Gustat, Jimmy Jelinek, myself, Michael Cohen, and Phil Alberstadt. Our editor is Lisa Orkin. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is winning the war on the state and local level. Mea Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Mea culpa. Nothing but the truth. Hey, movie lovers. Who needs a theater when you have Pluto TV? Grab your popcorn and your streaming device because free movies are here. Pluto TV is your home for movies. Great movies are playing anytime in over 20 exclusive movie channels of action, horror, rom-coms, and more. Watch hits like Saving Private Ryan, Pretty in Pink, and Charlie's Angels all for free. No signups, no fees, no contracts. Ever. Download the free Pluto TV app on any device. Looking for a killer entertainment deal? What's better than free TV? Pluto TV is the home for true crime lovers. Watch 24-7 channels of unsolved mysteries, cold case files, forensic files, and CSI. Plus thousands of criminally good movies, TV shows, and documentaries all for free. No signups, no fees, no contracts ever. Download the free Pluto TV app on any device. Shit!